and welcome to On Focus, brought to you by the Focal Therapy Clinic, where we connect you with issues facing men diagnosed with prostate cancer that are little known, less understood, often avoided, and sometimes ignored. Prostate cancer is the most commonly diagnosed cancer amongst men in the UK. And with this somber fact comes a multitude of challenges and opportunities. I'm Claire Delmar. Joining me today is Michael Anthony, a recent HIFU patient at the Focal Therapy Clinic. Michael had just turned 50 late last year when he was diagnosed with localized prostate cancer, which was quickly followed by a bout with COVID. As he says, I got cancer for my birthday and COVID for Christmas. And his ultimate treatment was a direct outcome of these memorable gifts. He's here to tell the story about managing a prostate cancer diagnosis in the COVID era and to share his learnings with our listeners. Michael, welcome and thanks so much for joining me today. No problem. So I'm sort of mentioning how you were bestowed with these um, slightly unwelcome gifts uh, late last year and you know, particularly at the age of 50, which is incredibly young to be diagnosed with prostate cancer. Can you tell us a little bit about how your diagnosis came about? Yeah, I went to the doctor's in September. I was 50 in October last year. So I went in September and for something completely unrelated, my wife made me go. And um, when I was there, because I was 50 in a month's time and I'm due a prostate check when I turn 50, the doctor starts discussing about exactly that, about the fact that, you know, I need to have my prostate checked. And before I know it, I've kind of agreed to have it done. So yeah, it gets done. I'm told it's fine. And I leave. I also had a blood test whilst I was there. And then about four or five days later, I got a phone call from a doctor I hadn't seen. And he told me there was an irregularity with my PSA test or my blood test. They wanted to send me for an MRI. That meant nothing to me about a PSA, but my partner's a nurse. So she came home and I told her and it was like, okay, so now I'm off. I'm off my MRI. I went off my MRI like a month later, just after I was 50. And when, when I left, they said that my GP would be notified within two to three weeks. And this was on a Thursday. And then I was woken up on Monday morning with a phone call to tell me that there was something on my MRI and now they wanted to send me for a biopsy. So I was then put in for a biopsy. That was quite soon after. I can't remember how soon, but like a week or two weeks. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, from there it was, I left on a Thursday, I had my biopsy and the following Wednesday, I was told on my biopsy, I was told when I was there that the cancer team, they have a meeting every Wednesday mm -hmm. and I would be discussed at the meeting. And I, I said, so if you, if, what if you haven't got my results? And the nurse explained that because you're in today, you will get discussed whether we've got your results or not. So I had a nervous Wednesday waiting for a phone call to tell me whether I did or didn't have cancer. Yep. And the, the phone call never come on the Wednesday. So we sort of breathed a sigh of relief. And then I got a phone call Thursday morning to book in a phone call, really, to book in, a, you know, to because it's COVID, there was no going into hospitals. It was all done over the phone or, or on the Zoom. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, this is on a Thursday. And then, then I had a 45-minute phone call the next day on the Friday, which I think was November the 20th last year. And, uh -huh. uh, yeah, 45-minute call just to say, yeah, you've got prostate cancer. Wow. So, I mean, all of that was quite speedy from when, you know, your you know original PSA result to the, to the actual biopsy. And then, obviously, the discussion around, I guess, what was then the MDT, correct? Yeah. Yeah, very quick. I don't know whether it was because of COVID, that it made everything faster. Yeah. It's like I say, there was no, you know, when I went in for my MRI, the hospital was empty. When I went in for my biopsy, the hospital was empty. I went in by myself. I didn't even realise you could go in for these with other people, not that you particularly would want to, but if you wanted a family member or someone, you you could have them. Yep. But when I, even when I went in there, it wasn't that boring hanging about because it was all really kind of quick. Yep. 
so then that was the end of November. So it all happened pretty quickly, as you said, after your birthday. Um, fortunately, you had actually had the PSA test. As you said, you had no symptoms or anything. You were just kind of offered the opportunity and you sort of took it up. Yeah, I was. it was just about to turn 50. And when I turned 50, they would have asked, they would have contacted me and said they wanted me, in, you know, to check my prostate, to do my right. bloods and all that. And right. because I'm not, a, I'm not a regular visitor to the doctor, that's why I think that the lady was like, you know, we might as well sort this out now. Right. Okay. So you got this diagnosis. Did you understand the diagnosis? You know, other than not the really, oh, not okay. really. But my my partner's a nurse, so she <laughs> understood it far more than me. I mean, she's nursed people when she was a district nurse. She nursed people who died of prostate cancer, and she nursed people who lived with prostate cancer. So <laughs> she had an understanding in a way, but it's not a specialist subject, and I knew absolutely nothing. Then what happened? Tell us about the COVID and 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 what happened next, and 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 about what kind of treatment options were actually offered to you. Well, my treatment options were having on the, the 45 minute phone call on the 20th of November to tell me that I had cancer. They also told me about my options and my options then were that I can have a prostectomy. And she then explained to me about the long-term effects after effects of a prostectomy. Okay. And um, my other option was chemotherapy slash radiotherapy. So those are my two options. Did they show you exactly where the cancer was located, for example, from some of the imaging you'd received? No, no, I just got told that I had prostate cancer. Okay, so it wasn't any words like localized or or anything like that. It was it was simply that you had prostate cancer. Yeah. Okay. Did it occur to you to question any of those um, treatment options or did, you, did it sort of you know incentivize you to go learn a bit more about what this all meant? Well, I questioned the whole thing because I wasn't ill there's nothing you know there was nothing wrong with me so so I've got professionals telling me that I've got prostate cancer and I'm hearing it but I'm not really feeling it Mm, mm -hmm. you know so it blew me away to be honest I was blown away for maybe six six weeks really for six weeks I I just wasn't really functioning normally although I was like for instance I couldn't get this I forgot about this but I couldn't get warm I was cold all the time and I I actually rang one of my cancer team up one of the first times I engaged with them because I wasn't really engaged with the cancer team. I wasn't really opening my letters. You know, I opened them at first and then suddenly, because when you get diagnosed with cancer, you get bombarded with mail. Okay. Like Macmillan stuff and hospital appointments and, you know, just stuff that's like, it's just a bit too much. It was just a bit too much for me to take on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, so I just couldn't, I couldn't get warm. So I was sitting in the front room with my thermals on, with the heating on, with clothes on, with my coat on, and I'm still feeling cold. So I rang my cancer team and I asked them if that was a symptom. And they said, it is with some cancers, but not with prostate cancer. But my partner reckons I was in shock, which is probably right. Yeah. Wow. And so tell us about the COVID. I mean, this, this begins the interesting part of the story. So then they've, they've decided that a prostectomy is, is the only option. I spoke to a surgeon who was going to perform that. And I spoke to the radiotherapy doctor who was going to do that. And at the end of the conversation, I asked the radiotherapy doctor what they would choose. And they said, You've, you only have one option. And that's really a prostectomy. Because obviously at 50, if I have radiotherapy or chemotherapy, there's a strong chance that it will give me cancer by the time I'm 60. So I'm left with just a prostectomy, which is what I was booked in for, for the 21st of January. Okay. And then, <clears throat> so then at Christmas, I get COVID. Mm. And um, so I'm allowed back out on the 28th of December. So I go in for my pre-op about, which is a Monday before the Thursday. So about nine days 
before my prostatectomy, I had my pre-op appointment. Mm-hmm. I went in and at pre-op, they asked you lots of questions about have you had MRSA or this and that. And I told them I'd had COVID over Christmas. And it was the day that Boris had brought in a rule of, you know, he'd, he'd cancelled all operations on COVID patients or, you know, people within 28 days of COVID, you know, got their operations cancelled. So I was like the first day of that, my operation was cancelled. So I left with no cancer plan in place at all. Wow, how did you feel? To be honest, I I was elated because they weren't going to give me a prostectomy. I didn't really, I didn't, I didn't realise that I had no cancer plan in place until I got home and told my partner, and then she obviously wasn't happy. But for me, you know, I kind of thought, well, so you're not going to do, and I think of all the um, all the after effects of uh, prostectomy, and I think they weren't going to do that to me, you know. So yeah, I was kind of um, all right with it for a while. So that had been on your mind, like the, the, the side effects that you had to be aware of were actually on your mind the whole time. You just hadn't had an opportunity to really kind of voice them. I got told in a 45 minute phone call um, when I was told I had cancer. They told me what a prostectomy was because I had no idea. Yeah. And to, to sum it up in my world, she was saying they're going to cut some length off your cock. They're going to make it so you never come again and you're going to be incontinent and have erectile dysfunction for the rest of your life. Now, I know that's not every prostectomy patient, you know, but that's what I heard. Well, you know, that's, that's what I heard. So maybe that was the six weeks. Maybe that added massively to the six weeks of shock. Of course. You know, I mean, you know, I wasn't really into the idea of having this operation at any point. Um, mm-hmm. But I went in for my pre-op on a Monday. And funny enough, the Saturday before the Monday, I filled an application form in online about whether I was eligible for focal therapy or not, having read about it on um, one of the cancer sites. So let's just go back to that. So so how did you actually find out about that? Because you weren't told about it from your cancer team um, in hospital. No, but after six weeks of doing nothing and, do, and yeah, just doing nothing to do with cancer, and I posted a question on a cancer site. And within 10 minutes, a guy called Chris had answered it. And it was quite a personal question. It's quite a mm-hmm. personal answer. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of spent the whole four, next 48 hours just reading stuff and asking questions and getting it answered. And in the process of that, over the next sort of four weeks, which is between then and when I had my prostectomy booked, I read a piece which somebody had posted a question. It was about prostectomy or focal therapy. Mm-hmm. Once I read that, I then read up more stuff about focal therapy and the side effects, which were compared to a prostectomy, is, is it's just another world, isn't it? So then you contacted the, the clinic and, and began to explore if you'd be eligible or suitable for, for that kind of treatment. Yeah, I did that on the Saturday. And on a Monday, I went in uh, and my prostectomy was cancelled. So Monday night, I get a phone call from a guy from the focal therapy clinic. And I start talking to him, but he loses me because he's talking about cancer. So I get my gainer on the phone mm-hmm. and um, they have a long conversation. And afterwards they get off the phone and she was like, this is perfect for you. This is absolutely perfect. I was like, OK. And what, what were the main reasons yet you decided to undertake this is mainly because of the side effects? A hundred percent the side effects. Yeah. 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 And so then you went and had it with um, Mr. Negum, I believe. Brilliant. Yeah. Did you have to have any of your imaging or biopsies redone? I had to have none of them redone. I just had to have them sent from my hospital to him or mm-hmm. to, to, to where he was working. But yeah, I mean, I, I wanted him to see all the stuff anyway before, oh, I, had the, course, yeah. before I had the consultation, just because, because of the first conversation with the guy from the folk therapy clinic, I knew he'd asked me stuff that I wouldn't, I wouldn't know. 
the answer because yeah. I didn't really understand it. You mm-hmm. know, so I wanted him to see everything. So he saw everything. So when I had my consultation with him, which was uh, the Monday after my a week after my pre-op had been cancelled, I had a consultation with him. And my very first question to him was, am I eligible for focal therapy treatment? Yeah. And he was like, you're perfect. Your cancer is perfect for focal therapy treatment. So when did you actually undergo the treatment? I think it was a fourth, third or fourth of February this year. Okay, so so that was, and then you haven't had the full clearance yet. Okay, no. but how did it all go? I mean, you can't call it brilliant because it's not brilliant, but as treatments go and, and you know, as cancer treatments go, and if this kills my cancer or cures my cancer, I mean, it's unbelievable. What a prostatectomy would have done to me mentally is, and what this did is they're not even a comparison you know I'm back on with my life whereas if I had had that it would have just shattered me I think mentally I would have been done and Michael do you feel that you know you you mentioned that when you were initially given your diagnosis of prostate cancer you were counseled if that's the right word on what the potential if not likely side effects would be of a prostatectomy do you in retrospect and, and given not just what you've experienced, but also what you experienced in your own head, you know, sort of mentally and emotionally, do you, do you think that that discussion was handled well? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, Cancer Nurse Kate was brilliant. The whole conversation, yeah, it was nothing to do with with the way I was treated or the way they came across on the it was Everything was brilliant. Mm-hmm. What wasn't brilliant was the fact that focal therapy never got mentioned to me at any point. I had mm-hmm. to read up about it and then ask about it. And when I asked about it, they didn't know anything about it. That's something that, you know, we do see. But you were pretty well informed initially. And so you can't you can't complain about that. No, no. I mean, they obviously don't do focal therapy. Mm-hmm. So it's not it wasn't even like I say, it wasn't even an option or mention. Whereas mm-hmm. like my cancer was 85 percent on the right hand side of my prostate and one percent on the on the left. And mm-hmm. millions and millions and millions of men live with one percent on their prostate and it, it's not an issue it's not cancer it's just mm-hmm. it's just there it's there like some like your appendix but not quite mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. the 85 percent on one side means you know what you know you just deal with that like yeah why would you why would you put me through all of the stuff you would have put me through when i've only got cancer on one side a, a lot of cancer admittedly you know but it's still on one side it's like indeed you know, so i mean it's it's almost as if having the covid was kind of what saved you from not having to undergo the the, the, the radical treatment is that is that how you describe it that, that is that is exactly how it is if i hadn't have had quite covid over christmas i would have gone into my pre-op yeah, and yeah. it wouldn't have it wouldn't have been cancelled so you know i would have probably got a phone call that night by the focal therapy clinic and not been as engaging because i would have just gone through pre-op that day for an operation that's happening yeah. the following thursday and you know my partner who took the call, I don't think she would have been into taking that call because she would have known that your prospectum is booked next right. Thursday. Michael, right. don't, you know, there's no point having this phone call. It's all sorted. I mean, I think what's really interesting about, you know, your story and your, your personal experience is that so much of how you take in this information and, and your sort of readiness to to look into other options is is based on how emotionally secure you feel about it. Um, so, I, I mean, that's definitely something I hear from what you went through. You know, suddenly you were now ready to hear about something else, which proved to be the right choice for you. Yeah, I think it's wrong that I had to read it on a forum on the Internet to find out about it initially in the first place. I mean, there's not that many different cancer treatments, you know, however many there are. There's not like thousands or hundreds or, you know, 
not it's not like you need to know, know a lot to be able to know what's what's what in that sort of world and mm. you know my if my cancer was perfect for focal therapy in the the words of Dr Nigam then so you know my hospital should have been telling me that you know yeah. I should have heard that from somebody else like it's you know it really guts me that it's not that this isn't everywhere and available and you know this this good if I go in there in February and um, Dr Nigam says that my cancer is gone and I haven't got cancer anymore then this has saved my life so would you then share that with other men and and try to spread the word that you know if your cancer is localized or certainly to you know to understand exactly where the cancer is and to to seek second opinions oh yeah already my my mum rang me to tell me her friend phil and he's been diagnosed with prostate cancer and i've um, got him uh, on um focal therapy straight away to I mean, at least look it up and also there's a there's a, a prostate i've told him to get in touch with them and there's like you know there's there's so many places you can get information on focal therapy now that i've had it and now that i know a little bit about it i certainly know where you can look it up and yeah, yeah i've directed phil in that direction my mum's friend and that's 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 the direction he's going in apparently well that's really helpful and, and actually the whole benefit of doing an interview like this is that you know we'll, we'll put this out there for other people too so so, Michael, I really very much appreciate you coming in to talk to me. And I, and I know this will be helpful and really inspiring for other men. So so thanks very much. Oh, thanks ever so much. Thank you. A transcript of this interview is available on our website, along with further information on diagnostics and treatments for prostate cancer and additional interviews and stories about living with prostate cancer. Please visit www.thefocaltherapyclinic.co.uk and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Focal Therapy Clinic. Thanks for listening. And for me, Claire Delmar, see you next time.